Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. We continue in our series, Angels on Assignment, part number six, and this part is entitled The Divine Order. First uh, Corinthians, the 14th chapter, and verse 40 says this. Now, this is a quick reference, but it is a principle that we need to embrace. Let all things be done, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. You know, let all things be done decently and in order. Why was he writing this to the church in Corinth? It's because they were doing a lot of things, but some of the things they were doing, they weren't doing decently and in order. They were really engaged in a lot of things. They were engaged in spiritual things. They were engaged in things that were even a little spooky, perhaps, every now and then, okay? They had gone overboard in a few areas, uh, you know, uh, trying to be the most spiritual church or the most spiritual people. And, uh, and the Apostle Paul was actually bringing them a word of instruction and even a word of correction that all things needed to be done, but they needed to be done decently and in order. Now, for goodness sake, let all things be done. But, uh, and, uh, but they need to be done decently and in order. You see, there's an order to things. God is a God of order. The order of God is evident in all of creation. All you have to do is kind of back up and survey creation, and you can see that there is an order to creation. Why? Because God is a God of order. It is, uh, as it should be, noticed whenever things get out of order. We should notice when someone or something is out of God's order. I mean, it's, 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 it's not that hard to recognize. Being out of order causes problems. You know, uh, you can imagine being in a great courtroom and someone getting out of order and how disruptive it can be. And the judge has the authority to say, order in the court. You know, uh, we know who gave him that authority. And he has that authority. Why? Because there needs to be order in the court. Well, there needs to be order in life. You know, uh, the order I'm referring to uh, are the things that God has set into motion and the boundaries that God has established uh, basically for all creation. God established order to protect us. God established order to provide for us. And God has established order to ensure that all things continue as he intended for them to continue. There is an order. Someone might ask, well, you know, who made him God? Who put God in charge? Who said God gets to decide who I should be, what I should be, what I should say, what I should do? Who made him God? Well, you know, we don't know that. The only thing that God really reveals about himself is that he was in the beginning, uh, but we don't know what was before that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You might know, but I don't know. A lot of people act as though they know. I don't know, but there are a few things I do know. Okay? Uh, I don't know the answer to who made him God, but, <laughs> uh, and I don't know of anyone that's smart enough to figure it out. 
I know a lot of people may have some thoughts, but you know, the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah and also the apostle Paul all hit on the very same thing. That without respect to how God became God, he is God. And he, in reference to us, he is the potter and we are the clay, they said. Okay, I, I, I don't know, uh, you know, a lot of things, but I do know that you didn't make yourself. Hello? Amen. Not one of us made ourselves. Not one of us created ourselves. Not one of us created the world. Not one of us created the galaxies. Not one of us. And yet we know they were created. We know that life was created. It is, it, it, we know that life is by design. There's no other answer. It is, it is just not possible. You know, we are the work of God's hands. He is the potter. We are the clay. To which... You know, one of us, if we had a lump of clay in our hands, which one of us would allow the clay to say, hey, look, you don't have a right to make me an ashtray. You don't have a right to make me a glass, you know, a cup. You don't have that right. Who do you think you are? Most likely we just put a little water on it and smack it, right? And cause a little flood in its world. Shape it and redesign it. Make it something else if we want to. But it's up to us if we were the potter. That's what we are in his hands. Not one of us designed ourselves. From the orbits of the planets in our solar system to the reproduction cycles of the fruit fly or the, you know, gnat. Everything has an order to it. And when it gets out of order... Trouble ensues, degradation, death, destruction. You know, God has chosen the order in which creation is designed to work best. It is an order of God. God has chosen. He has the right to choose. We don't. We do not. We might assume a right to choose, but that would be a wrong assumption. The end result of all altering the order of God, as I said, causes problems. The end result is degradation. Things get worse. They don't get better. Death, you know, destruction. Yet there are two created beings, two classes uh, of created beings that God gave free will. God created angels, and he gave them a free will. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us that some chose to get out of God's order. God decided what realm they should live in, stay in, operate in, their duties. God made them different. He did not make all angels equal in status or statue or power or, 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 or you know, uh, prominence. We know there are archangels. You know, Michael is an archangel. You know, uh, we know that he is the prince of Israel. We know his name. We know Gabriel's name. We know that there are powers and mights and dominions. We know that there are seraphims and we know there are, you know, uh, 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 cherubims. And we know, we know that there are differing orders and ranks 
with different we know there's a whole host of angels we know that there's a, you know somewhere there are angels there's a choir of angels i mean there's an army of angels there's a whole host of heaven you know some are messengers some have special duties and are sent on special assignments some are warring angels we know that jesus on the cross could have called 12 legions of angels who were ready, who no doubt had commanders and structures and they were absolutely ready at a moment's notice to respond to Jesus saying, get me off this cross. I mean, he said it. I mean, uh, you know, there are guardian angels. We know that the angels who watch over children are, are, are constantly beholding the face of God. I mean, the Bible gives us clear insight into these angels, fighting angels, warring angels, attending angels. Uh, uh, and we may or may not, you know, uh, recognize the angels that are around us, but yet we understand God gave them free will. And we also know that when Jesus could have called those legions of angels, if he would have, it would not have meant one thing in the status of who he was. You see, Jesus did not have to die on the cross to become the Son of God. Some people imagine that without ever really investigating it. Jesus did not have to die on the cross to become the Son of God. He was the Son of God. Jesus had to die on the cross to save your sinful soul. And he had options. And he could have exercised them without it cost him anything but what he wanted for you, what he hoped for you, what he wanted to offer to mankind. That's how serious he is about the offer of salvation to the lost. When the angel, Satan, decided to rebel, and evidently he had free will, when he decided to rebel, and then he convinced a number of other angels to go with him and support him in the rebellion, God you know, it was, it was a difficult moment, no doubt. It upset the order of the heavenlies. It so upset the order of the heavenlies that, that we're told even Jesus' blood, cleansing the heavenly utensils of worship, cleansing from what? Well, all the disorder and disarray, no doubt, and all that, that, that happened in heaven with this horrible decision to exercise what I want instead of what he wanted. At that time, God created a prison and he chained angels who had rebelled, wicked and evil angels who had rebelled. He chained them in darkness, reserving them for a time of judgment. And if you have been following in this series, you, you know that we, we went into that in greater depth. But this prison, which we call hell, was created for the devil and his angels. And ultimately, God intends to throw Satan along with death and hell and all of his followers, all of the angels who rebelled, 
along with the lost souls of humanity into an eternal lake of fire. Now this should disturb us, but back to the reason for it. It was because initially Satan, there was iniquity within him. No one tempted him. Iniquity was found in him and lifted up with his own pride. He decided that he was as good as or better than God. And he had no reason to let God be his master. He had no reason to stay in the order, in the rank, in the place where God had created him. He had no reason to relegate himself to a realm that someone else decided, to a role that someone else decided. I can do what I want. I have free will. And he fell from perfection. Degradation. Death. And destruction await. Hell is all he can hope for. And in eternity in a lake of fire. Mankind. Tempted by the devil. Tempted to do what? Tempted to not be satisfied with God's order. To not be satisfied with the divine decision so that they could remain in God's divine order, decided that they would exercise their free will and move themselves into a place that they thought was best for them instead of a place that God said was best. You know what happened the disruption and the chaos. You know, uh, you know, we live as a result of that. We live in a fallen world, in a world that has fallen into disorder and chaos, darkness, people calling good evil and evil good, people calling bitter sweet and sweet bitter. We are fallen into a, a world that is reprobate, a world that cannot even see how wrong they are. What a horrible thing to be so deceived that you cannot even recognize deception when you're looking at the word and the will of God and say, oh, but I want something different. Lucifer said, I want something different. Eve said, God gives us pictures of a fallen world evidenced by the imperfections and the disruptions to life. Look at all that is going on. All of the earth and every living creature on the earth was put under the authority of mankind. And when man fell, disorder prevailed over all of creation. As hard as we try, and as hard as we may continue to try, the earth and all of creation, including man, is yet in darkness. I've got some bad news for you. Things are not going to get better. Not for the world. Not for the chaos. Not for the darkness. Not for the lost. 
things will not get better. And not that we're just trying to make them better. You know, the Bible says that, you know, that, that things are going to wax worse and worse. But, you know, Timothy tells us that. Uh, but but making things better, even if we could make things better, people would still be lost and relegated after death to an eternity in a dark abyss, absent from God. Why? Because the creation, without salvation, without becoming a new creation, the creation is in disorder and headed for destruction, including this world. Diseases, earthquakes, wars, famine, troubles of all kinds from cosmic concerns to chromosomal anomalies. We are living in a disordered world, in a chaotic world, a world of darkness, a world in which no matter what we do, we can't fix it. And it's getting worse. From the sins of gossip to the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah, this world is waxing worse and worse. You know, full-blown evil of the Antichrist looms just ahead of us. And all of the other things that are ongoing the things you hear daily in the news that, that you might step back and go, what? They are just an outcropping, the result of the disorder that we have chosen. Any agenda which does not include returning to the order of God's creation is is, uh, you know, has no chance of making life better. But we're not here just to make life better. Not just this life. Even if things did get better, mankind is still on a collision course with death and destruction. The only hope is Jesus. Amen. The only hope is Jesus. He is the only hope. He is the hope of God. The only hope is Jesus, who gave his life on the cross of Calvary, not only to save us from hell by forgiveness of sins, reconciliation to God, but he has made us a new creation in Christ. We have become new creation. Not an old creation scrubbed up and made clean, but a new creation. 2 Corinthians tells us old things have passed away and all things have become new. And as a new creation, by God's divine order, we are the only ones authorized and the only ones commissioned to go and tell others the good news of salvation. It is not only our responsibility as new creation. It is not the responsibility of mankind. It's not the responsibility of the world. The world is trying to, to you know, 
shut down the witness, whether they mean to or not. But even if they became a witness, they would come be, become a witness of a God they did not know. An empty gospel of inclusion. It is so important for us to realize we have been given a privilege. We have been given a responsibility as a new creation in Christ Jesus. Despite what else we may be going through, despite what else may be occurring in our disordered world and, and, and the outcroppings in our life that, 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 that this life, this body is, is, is subject to and is, 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 is a result of a disordered world. The old man and the old nature was crucified with Christ. I was buried with him. You were buried with him. If you were born again, not only were you buried with him, but you were raised with him. If you died with Christ, you also have been resurrected with him. And you have been given a singular great commission. Jesus did not give a great commission to the angels to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He gave it to mankind, to the new creation. It is a new creation responsibility, a privilege, if you would. In the divine order of God, the privilege of sharing the gospel does not belong to angels, but to the children of God. This brings us to our text for tonight. I guess that was opening monologue. <laughs> this brings us to our text tonight in, in the book of Acts chapter 10 as a proof text to what we are saying about the divine order of God commissioning us as the one solely responsible for sharing the gospel and bringing the light and leading others to Christ. In 1 Corinthians, excuse me, not 1 Corinthians, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, reading from the New King James Version, the Bible says, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what it was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, Cornelius was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So the angel said to him, Your prayers... And your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now, send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Here in about four weeks, I'm going to take some of you to Joppa, Caesarea. We'll show you where Cornelius lived and where the angel visited him. And then to Joppa where Peter was there on the housetop of a man named Simon, a tanner. And, you know, uh, you'll get to actually, you know, see this. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're going on our tour to Israel here in just a few weeks, the 1st of September. But suffice it to say here that you notice the angel did not tell Cornelius about Jesus. 
That's the point. That's a pretty big point here. Because God had noticed and heaven had noticed that this man was, was a good man, a devout man. He was not a Christian. He was not a Jew. He was a Roman you know, a soldier, but he was a good man. He had evidently observed what had been done by the Jews. He had been observing how they gave alms and helped the poor and how they prayed to Jehovah. And so he had a habit of also praying Jehovah to Jehovah, a God he didn't even know, and giving alms, giving money to help the poor. And God was impressed in heaven and wanted this man born again. God wanted this man to become a new creation. God wanted this man, no doubt, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ back to Rome with him because as we understand, he was at his rank reasonably ready to retire and be repatriated back to his home country. And it was a part of reaching the uttermost parts of the world. God wanted this man to become a missionary, but first he needed to be saved. Wouldn't it seem reasonable to you It seems reasonable to me that the angel could have fixed that right there and showed up to him and said, Cornelius, you should give your heart and your life to Jesus. A man who died on the cross, the son of God, he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died an atoning death, and he is your Savior and your Lord. You know, invite him into your heart and let him save your soul. He'll forgive your sins and you will go to heaven when you die and you will be commissioned as a new creation in Christ Jesus to carry the gospel into the uttermost parts of the world. Do you want to be saved today, Cornelius? Invite him into your heart. Come on down to the altar, Cornelius. You want to invite Jesus in? Raise your hand. Stand to your feet. Pray with me. But the angel didn't do that. It seems the angel was much more qualified. Well, it doesn't seem that way to God. That's not God's divine order. Things that seem reasonable to us, even better to us, like they seem better to Eve. If it's not God, don't think it's better. Because God's divine order was exactly what we see here and in many other places. The sharing of the gospel is a privilege, a responsibility, an obligation of the new creation. Send to Joppa for Peter. He'll tell you what to do. Go into Damascus, the voice from heaven said to Paul on the road to Damascus, and there you will be told what to do. And, 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 you know, Ananias for three days wrestled with whether or not, you know, but God wanted a man to go over, a new creation, a Christian, to go and witness to this Saul of Tarsus. You know, Paul was on a boat, uh, you know, about to make shipwreck. And, 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 and God wanted to not only save him, but save all the lives of those others. No telling how many of them got saved on that island experience in Malta. No telling how many got saved and became witnesses and became new creation evangelists. But the angel only showed up to Paul and said to Paul, This is what you must do. And Paul became the witness to all the other men on the ship, about 200 of them. And they all, the Bible says, not one of them lost their lives. And they ended up seeing all the miracles that were done on the island and all the people that had given their life to Christ. No doubt they were a huge part of it. The jailer, in the midst of all the miracles and earthquakes, it looks like, you know, voices would have come from heaven, but they came from Paul and Silas. So many instances in the Bible 
God has shown how the witness of a new creation, how the witness of a born-again believer like Philip, like Stephen, opens the hearts and minds and changes the course of people's lives, that their souls are saved because of the witness. It would seem so much better to me if, 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 if God had have commissioned, it would, but it didn't seem better to him. If he had commissioned the angels, think, I mean, whew, they could have all this done in a heartbeat, you know. But what they did was they, they you know, showed up in the shepherd fields, which I'll show you again in a few weeks, some of you, and showed up the shepherd fields and says, yeah, here's what you need to do. You need to go into the city, you know. Uh, you know, verse 44 of Acts chapter 10, we know that all things work together, you know, uh, uh, Angels and, you know, angels, you know, help. All the while God was preparing Cornelius, he was preparing Peter to preach to Cornelius. He was preparing Cornelius to listen to Peter. God works all things together. And by the time we get down to, uh, to Acts 10, verse 44, Peter's in the house and Peter is preaching away. And he just, he just flabbergasted because he didn't realize it, that he could do this. And he didn't even know that this was, you know, a God's will. But yet following the divine order of a voice from heaven that spoke to him, here he is preaching in Cornelius' house. And the Bible says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. I might add, from Peter. Cornelius and his whole household were saved. You see, there is a divine order. And we should work to develop and to hold on to a biblical worldview. Not a what I think worldview. Not what I feel worldview. Not what, you know, is popular worldview. We should hold on to a biblical worldview. God's way is the best way and everything should be done decently and in order. In God's divine order. You know, uh, it, it's part of God's divine order that you can't spend more than you make. Hello? You get out of order, you have trouble. It's a part, I mean, all you have to do is just back up and look and you can see God's divine order. Uh, you know, uh, uh, children should be protected, not exploited. That's, that's God's divine order. You know, I mean, get, it, get out of order and, and, and things get bad. Things get worse. You know, truth is not determined by a show of hands. You can say crucify him, crucify him all day long and have everybody saying it with you. But that doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it God's divine order. God has the right to choose. You know, uh, life is not a popularity contest. You know, just back up and realize it, it, it's, it's not popular. You know, they killed Jesus. Should you expect any better? We're not trying to be popular. There is life, there is death, and there is judgment. That's God's divine order. And we need to be prepared for all three. The divine order is that believers should go into all the world and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with lost humanity in hopes that lost humanity might become born again believers, become a new creation, and embrace that same responsibility, that same privilege of reaching the world, of launching out into the deep, finding someone in your world tomorrow, and letting your light shine. That's 
the divine order of God. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.